You might be expecting to hear an ad for Spotify right now. Depending on where you're listening, you might be used to hearing that sort of pre-roll before the show. But due to changes in how Spotify is letting people monetize, um, we are no longer able to be getting those ad placements because despite having more than 3 million downloads and over 5,000 weekly listeners coming back to tune in, we are falling short of listens on Spotify specifically by like 100 um in the time frame. So we're not able to monetize. And as a result of that, we are in the process of getting ready to wind down the show by the end of the year because um, it's just not going to be sustainable. And if we can't hit that listener requirement after having, you know, shout outs from the Vlogbrothers and the Apple Store, um, then probably ain't going to happen now. So anyway, uh, if you're still here and you want to listen to this episode, then we'd really obviously appreciate you um, continuing to stay with us through to the end. In September of 1859, the sun exploded. I mean, like, it didn't totally explode, but a massive solar flare generated a geomagnetic solar storm so enormous that the effects of which were felt here on Earth. Now, this actually happens quite a bit, but they're usually more subtle. This particular event in 1859 was unlike anything anybody had seen before or since. An astronomer named Richard Carrington happened to catch a glimpse of this bright white light from the surface of the sun. What he saw was a solar coronal mass ejection. They're basically large eruptions from the surface of the sun that release plasma and high-speed magnetic fields into the magnetosphere, and then they can be observed by astronomers here on Earth. Now, given this was in 1859, so Carrington was using far more rudimentary technology than what we would have today, but that just speaks to how enormous this event was because he was actually pretty much able to see and feel the effects of it with the help of his telescope. So he ran off to basically find somebody to witness this. He kind of couldn't believe his eyes. He said he was somewhat flurried by the surprise of having witnessed such an event. The other person, Richard Hodgson, so we've got two Richards on this basically, by the time they came back to his telescope, maybe five minutes had gone by, and basically the entire thing had kind of come and gone. It, it all happened that fast. And while it may have been a sort of been a brief and shining moment, the thing is, is that the effects from that solar flare were felt for at least the next couple of days. So pretty soon it was like nobody was going to deny that this happened. It became known as the Carrington event, named after the fellow who spotted it. And basically what it was, um, was a coronal mass ejection caused by a solar flare in the surface of the sun that was so large that it really screwed up the electromagnetic field on Earth. So the next day, the skies around the world filled with these mysterious green and red and purple really beautiful auroras um, and they were beautiful but they caused a lot of problems I mean not the auroras necessarily but the electromagnetic disturbance caused a lot of problems particularly 
for telegraph systems. Now I know that in the modern age we have, you know, innumerable fancy dancy technologies <laughs> that we rely on every day, but in 1850 something, um, telegraph systems were kind of the like hot commodity. And the thing was is that they weren't entirely automated, so people actually had to run these machines in the same way that telephone operators had to connect telephone lines manually. And so because of the massive like electromagnetic disturbance, the telegraph operators actually were getting shocked by electrical discharges from the machines. And the paper that the telegrams were written on began to catch fire. So this this was disturbing enough. So they started to actually detach the machines from their power source only to find that the electric currents that were in the wire were so strong enough that they actually allowed the machine to keep transmitting messages even after they'd taken it off its power. So the thing is, is that you have to think about how bad this would be in modern times. We actually can detect solar flares with X-ray space telescopes and radio telescopes pretty frequently. They just don't tend to be as big or as bad as the Carrington event was. There was a pretty annoying one uh, in August of 1972, which knocked out long-distance telephone lines throughout the state of Illinois. And that actually was motivating enough that AT&T decided to basically redesign their system to accommodate a future event like that. In March of 1989, the city of Quebec experienced a solar flare that actually blacked out the entire city for about half a day. In December of 2005, x-rays from a solar storm disrupted the global positioning system signals for about 10 minutes. Okay, losing your GPS signal for 10 minutes might not feel like a big deal, but let me tell you something. If you're flying a plane, <laughs> 10 minutes without GPS navigation probably would be a little scary. So the thing is, is that while all of these were notable, none of them were as big as the Carrington event. And if something were to happen that was at the level of the Carrington event, because we are so heavily reliant on technology, particularly technology that uses satellites, uh, and that in other ways relies on the interconnectivity that is possible through electricity, we would be pretty screwed. And we might even be screwed for a while. So the thing is, is that a solar flare like the Carrington event probably only happens about every half millennium. But we don't know that much about solar flares. We're still kind of learning about them, how they work, why they happen, what we could do to not be totally destroyed by them in some way. And so therefore, a statistic like that is is technically not fallible because we don't really know for sure. And that being said, um, a Carrington class solar flare was actually recorded in 2012. It just missed the Earth's orbit. The thing was is that NASA knew about it but didn't actually admit it publicly until 2014. So crisis averted, I guess, for now.